Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. It's good to see everybody here today. We're glad for those of you that are visiting from out of town, uh, some from relatively nearby. Relatively is a term you can use for most anything, and some from even further away. We're thankful that you're here. Thank you for being here. Come see us again anytime you're coming through town. Also very thankful to see some returning faces. Uh, we're glad you're here, uh, even if you're not happy to see mine. I understand. But uh, we're, we're glad because when we get together, as the sign on the front door says, all are welcome. Anyone wanting to come and worship God is always welcome here at Lindsley Avenue. We're happy for the individuals joining us, our family and friends out at Knowles. Uh, you are a part of us and we, we love you and want you to know that we think about you all often and uh, pray that things will go well with you. Uh, I appreciated Mark. Mark had a uh, pep in his step today as he was leading singing. He had things moving right along. So I appreciate Mark. If you notice something about the songs, they were all centered about Jesus. In case you didn't, they were all centered about Jesus, in case you didn't notice. Because when we focus on Jesus, it'll tell us better how to live our lives to be like him. And that's the main point of the series that we are beginning here this morning. The title is It All Adds Up. And I have no idea whether this cheap-ish uh, looking adding machine actually exists. I'm sure that's a business-oriented machine with that. Is that a teal or I don't know what, it is a teal. I wasn't sure if it was a mauve shade of chartreuse or something. Uh, you never know about these colors these days. But it all adds up. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, we're given some insight into how we can become better followers of Jesus. Better followers of Jesus. And so we're going to have as an introduction really this week to the entire 11 verses. I know Phil was very happy not to have to read all 11 verses of 2 Peter chapter 1. But then each week hereafter... We're going to focus at about one individual characteristic, one individual quality that we should add to our lives so that when we add them all, as we make efforts to add them all to the people we already are, we will become more like Jesus, which is our goal anyway. So let's pick up with 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll get down to it, which occurs a little later in the first chapter. Uh, Simeon Peter, or Simon Peter, some manuscripts say Simeon, some say Simon, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter says he is a servant and an apostle. This is the same language Paul uses in Romans and Titus. The apostles were servants first and apostles, ambassadors, those sent with a mission, with authority, second. And they were apostles, look at this, by the righteousness of God, not by their own doing. Nothing we do is in any way really truly by our own doing. It all comes from God. It's all by God's grace that we are here today. Everything we do is by his grace and for his glory. And look how he also phrases it here. By the righteousness of whom? Our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The grammar here in the original is unmistakable. Peter is calling Jesus God. The Bible is full of statements that if we slow down and read them, you can see the opinion of those apostles and people in the first century that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. 
So if you have individuals who are knocking at your door early on Saturday mornings, which happens sometimes to some of us, you can go simply to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not the righteousness of our God and the righteousness of our Savior. The language links them together as referring to Jesus himself. It is by the righteousness of Jesus that we are saved. It really is. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of, our, of God and of Jesus our Lord. Peter's wish or hope is for the grace and peace to be multiplied to his readers and hearers in the knowledge of God. How do I grow in grace? How do I grow in peace? It's by learning more. Christianity, being a follower of Jesus, requires us to grow and to learn. We shouldn't be in the same kind of state of awareness, state of knowledge about God, about Jesus, and about what kind of person God wants me to be now as we might have been yesterday or might have been a year ago or 10 or 30, 40 years ago. You know, at one point, presumably, I don't know about Mark over here, but presumably, we were all babies. I think Mark probably has looked this way for a long time. He's been an adult for a long time over here. But we were all babies. And what do babies do? They squawk a lot. Okay, they're kind of waddling around in a diaper. You know, and, and we, they're cute. Everybody loves a cute baby. Everybody loves a cute baby. But a cute baby shouldn't be driving a car. A cute baby shouldn't be shopping in the grocery store. We expect babies to grow up. But when we become new members of God's family, we are born again. We are babes in Christ, is the phrase often is used. And so we are babies. We may squawk a lot as we try to figure out what things are important and what things aren't. We expect babies in Jesus to grow and become mature over time, just as we do physical babies once they are born. Our mission is to grow and become the kind of people God wants us to be. The word Peter uses for knowledge right there, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our, our Jesus our Lord, means full knowledge. It means as we become aware of all the things that relate to Jesus, a full type of knowledge. Plutarch, right in a whole long, long time ago, uses it of scientific knowledge of a subject compared to the knowledge of the beginner. If you were to go into a kindergarten class and you talked about chemistry, right? How, how much is the, are the kindergartners going to get out of talking about chemistry? I suspect you could talk about chemistry and why things taste different. Does everybody like a sucker? Does everybody like, you know, a pickle or pick something really nasty? Asparagus or something like that. Get it out of a can, especially, right? Asparagus out of a can is just really nasty. You could probably make that case to a kindergartner. Compare that to somebody who's a PhD student and their knowledge of chemistry. The knowledge of Jesus that we are supposed to be gaining over time is that kind of knowledge, a detailed knowledge of the subject matter, the subject of Jesus, compared to the beginning knowledge that a kindergartner might have. The sciences may bring new skill and knowledge, and they do. That's why our society continues to advance and benefit. But the master science, as it were, the knowledge about Jesus Christ alone brings the grace that we need and peace to our hearts that we all crave. 
May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The Greeks in the first century sought after knowledge in two ways, two different ways. Still happens today, the way some people try to seek after knowledge. They sought it by philosophy. They were going to sit down and work it all out up here in their heads. We will figure out what things are true by how we logically reason through things. The schools of philosophy as they existed in the first century. Peter does not mean this. He doesn't mean the knowledge of Jesus Christ that you deduce logically by all sorts of syllogisms and deductive reasoning. That's not what he's talking about. They also sought knowledge in the first century by mystical experience. Today, people might do that in a cloud of smoke or ingesting some sort of altering chemicals. You know, the world knows, right? But any such experience from a mystical kind of perspective is always temporary. The fog eventually clears. And so what knowledge are you really left with if you have tried to gain something from a mystical approach? Peter didn't mean that either. It's he, what he's talking about is knowledge that's detailed knowledge that's going to stay with us. And in the New Testament, knowledge is personal knowledge. It's not reading something from a book. It's not simply applying something logically. It's supposed to be experiential knowledge, personal experience of knowledge about who Jesus is, what he did for us, and what we should be doing in response. It's not, I know what I have believed, but who I have believed. Remember the song we sing? I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he has made known. How does the chorus go? But I know what I have believed. That's not it at all. I know whom I have believed. And that he is able. He is able. So the knowledge, there's, a, there's a lot of what that we need to learn and a lot of what that we study as we grow in knowledge about the Bible, about God, and about Jesus. But the knowledge really needs to be knowing Jesus and getting to know him and therefore knowing myself. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I don't need anything else. I don't need some new revelation that's found buried in a hillside somewhere. I don't need a new revelation of a supposed appearance of Jesus a hundred some odd years ago. We have been given everything we need that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his very precious and very great promises. God has given us all sorts of promises. Jesus made specific promises to us. And those are the promises that will be fulfilled that we can, as it were, take to the bank and depend on. So that through them, through these promises, through this knowledge, we may become partakers of the divine nature. When we become members of God's family, as we've talked about before, as Paul says, don't you know that the Spirit of God dwells within you? That's why the fruit of the Spirit grows out of us. It's not our focus on becoming more patient. It's our focus on knowing God better and becoming a better vehicle through whom the Spirit lives within us. Paul talks about that in a word that can be best described as a down payment, earnest money. When we become members of God's family, we're on our way home to live with him. 
And as an assurance that that is what is going to happen in the future, God gives us the gift of the Spirit when we become members of His family. The Spirit dwells within us. And that Spirit shows itself by generating fruit, love, joy, peace. That is essentially what is meant here by becoming partakers of the divine nature. We are, as it were, animated when we are regenerated, when we become members of God's family, the Spirit of God dwelling within us has made us taste, have a slight taste of what's going to be in the future. We are going home to live with God and we are going to be totally different in a different experience, a different realm, a different situation than we've ever dreamed of before. As we become partakers, sharing as it were, in God's life, the only life that's real. The way we do that, look at the next statement, is having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of evil or sinful desire. You can't be partakers of the divine nature. You can't be living for God if we're living for ourselves. It doesn't work that way. Peter begins imparting his personal knowledge of the importance that of each hero developing their knowledge of Jesus. You know, each and every one of us, that's me, that's you, we all have a task before us to learn more about God, more about Jesus, and when we learn more about Jesus, let's imagine I'm, I'm creating this bank of knowledge here about Jesus, I can't help but compare me and how I'm living to the way Jesus lived. And if I see differences, if I see gaps, if I see situations where I don't really seem to reflect this knowledge I now have of Jesus, I've got things I need to do to start changing that. So we've been given all these things through the knowledge of Jesus, God's Son. Through this knowledge, we've been granted great promises that enable us to become partakers of the divine nature because we became new people. New people. The people around us, I said this before too, who are not members of God's family, they truly are the walking dead. I know it's a TV show, it's been on for so many thousand years now, right? But they are truly the ones who are, unfortunately, the walking dead. They're moving, but they're not really alive because the Spirit of God is not dwelling within them. They are not yet in any way partakers of the divine nature. They need to learn who God is, what God did for them, and die so they can truly become alive. We are already that, that new, those new people with that new life within us. Picking up, for this very reason, remember whenever you see the word for, it's saying because of what we've been talking about, because we became partakers of the divine nature, we left our own sinful behaviors from evil desires and sinful desires for that reason because we have these great promises all these things that Peter's been talking about before giving all diligence add now diligence is the idea that it takes some effort right students discover that usually the week of finals whoops I should have been paying attention before now and so they start being diligent about this subject matter. They start studying. Peter says we need to be diligent all the time. We need to devote ourselves to this. We need to focus on this. Giving all diligence 
to these things that he's going to be mentioning next. Now, before we get there, we got this simple word here, add. The simple word add is translated from a word in the original that means a lot more than add. And I think we'll understand better why these next few things are important by focusing for just a second on what this word add really meant in the original. It comes from a word that means the leader of a chorus, a choral director, as it were, a band director. Why is it simply translated add? Seems kind of odd to me. Back in the first century and for hundreds of years before that, the Greeks enjoyed a lot of drama. And when they did drama, they had a large chorus. They would have singers over here singing to add things going on to the dramatic production. And having a chorus, a group of people over here devoted to singing and, and doing all the things that were involved in the dramatic production is fairly expensive. I mean, how expensive is it to keep the National Symphony going and all those instruments? I mean, it may be cheap to buy a kazoo. It's probably not cheap, uh, cheap to buy some of the other instruments that they have, especially if you want every instrument to make an entire chorus, an entire orchestra. Often some benefactor, some rich, rich person in the past would pay for such a, a production out of their own pocket. And we still have people that do this today. The symphony over here has a lot of very rich friends. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to do what they do. So there were people like that in the past as well. Those who did this, those who might pick up the tab, fund the orchestra, fund the chorus, were called by this word that in many translations is simply translated add. It really means much more to equip, to furnish, to lavishly set things up. Again, the orchestra over here doesn't have a kazoo and a flute. It's got instruments, I don't even know the names of them. It's very well decked out. It's completely, thoroughly furnished. It might mean to equip an army with everything it was needing. The word's used for a choral, director, organizer. It's used for someone who would equip an army. Imagine an army going into battle that had a Swiss army knife. It's called an army knife, right? Is that gonna win a whole lot of battles? I think not. You need a lot more than an army knife. You need a complete arsenal. Right? And so if you're going to equip an army, it needs to be very lavishly decked out. You know, sometimes in the news we'll read about objections to how things weren't spent properly on the military. Do we really need thousand dollar toilet seats? Maybe not. But wouldn't you much rather have an army that's completely furnished and decked out as opposed to having a Swiss army knife? If you went to an orchestra, it seems like you would want all the different musical instruments to make it sound as beautiful as possible as opposed to me standing back there, I keep mentioning kazoo because that's the only instrument I play, doing a couple of kazoo noises. You know, who's going to pay for that? Apparently no one because I'm not in the orchestra. It means to pour out everything that's needed for a great performance. That's what's being discussed here. Give a lot of attention, focus yourself on thoroughly equipping yourself adding to yourself, your character, who you are, all these different qualities so that you will have all that is needed to be the kind of person God wants you to be. That doesn't really give justice to a three-letter word that is translated here, add. Make sure you add this, add this, add this. It's like, no, focus yourself on getting completely equipped for the battle that's in front of you, the battle of the rest of your life.
For this very reason, giving all diligence, all effort, add. You need to add or equip our, your life. I need to add or equip my life, not with the necessary minimum, not doing just enough to get by, not by simply saying, okay, I got my Swiss Army knife, but with everything we've got, we need to go big before we go home. What does he say we need to be equipped with? You think of a soldier, you can imagine things. You, you probably need binoculars, you need to be able to see the enemy. You, you probably need ammunition. I mean, all the things you might deck out a soldier with. Think about the orchestra. You have, what, a string section? That's got a whole lot of violins and other things that have strings on them, right? You've got a percussion session. I mean, how many different drums and things like that might there be in there? How many horns would there be? Who even knew there was a sub-basso clarinet? I mean, I don't know how to make any sense of that. There's all sorts of different instruments. Make sure that the orchestra of my life, make sure the orchestra of your life, make sure you're equipped with everything you need to be the kind of person God wants us to be. So what are these things? Look at what he says. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Seven different qualities that we are to give a lot of effort to, to add, as it were, to our arsenal, to add to our capabilities to become the kind of people God wants us to be. Virtue, moral power, the power to understand right and wrong, to see good and evil and be able to distinguish between them. Knowledge, insight and understanding. We've already been told that it's a complete knowledge. We've already been told that it is personal knowledge. We've got to keep growing. We've got to keep learning. And that's the whole reason we have Bible study programs and have classes is to help us learn. There's a lot of things to know to be the kind of people God wants us to be. Self-control. Peter, why on earth did you mention this one? This one's a problem many of us have dealing with. Temperance, right? Balance. Holding yourself in, not flying off of the handle. If you're not in control of yourself, it means you are out of control. And that's not a good thing. Steadfastness, patience and perseverance, different word for the same thing. Patience. You know the prayer, Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. It doesn't work that way. I need to have patience. I need to have godliness. And this is the idea of living for God with a godly character. Being focused on things that are good and wholesome and not on things that are veering off to the edge of being sinful or selfish. Brotherly affection. Caring about each other. You can translate that sisterly affection if you really want. Affection for other people who are brothers and sisters. Do we really care about each other? I know here at Lindsley Avenue the answer to that is yes. We do. Because we hurt when one of us hurts. We are happy when one of us is happy. We see needs in people who are our family because that's what we are. Affection for each other because we are family. 
that's not all that's needed because then he closes it off with love. And this is the word agape. It's, the, it's kind of the crowning uh, conclusion to the whole thing. If you add all these other things, but you really don't care about people in the way that love suggests, we still got some schooling to be done. We still have some equipping that's needed. Over the next few weeks, we're going to zero in on each one of these topics as we focus on how can I equip myself, not only to face the challenges out there in the world, but to become the kind of people God wants us to be. I want to ask you to join me on that journey. I want to ask us all to be diligent, to put some effort in, to focus on these qualities that we all should possess. If we do, what happens? For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, Peter continues, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If they are in us and they are increasing, remember, we're on that journey toward God. We need to be growing along the way toward going home to God. Then we won't be unfruitful or ineffective. The church, broadly speaking, has a lot of challenges today. One of the challenges is that we're not growing. I wonder if this is perhaps one of the causes. We may be more and more ineffective in our culture, more and more unfruitful in our culture. Maybe that's because collectively and as well individually, maybe we're not focusing on being the kind of people God wants us to be. Are we more concerned about sports, the draft picks, more concerned about politics? I keep repeating things. God doesn't really care what the tax rate is. He cares much more about whether I love others and I tell them about what Jesus did for them. Am I going to be ineffective and unfruitful? I will if I don't put some effort, diligence into becoming the kind of person that God wants me to be. It's in the knowledge of our Lord that we can become fruitful, that we become, can become effective. And that all happens by equipping ourselves completely. Remember the choral director? Remember the orchestra organizer? Remember that individual decking out the army? Will we be properly equipped? Peter says, to be properly equipped, we need this list of characteristics that could be used to describe me could be used to describe you. Where do we get this knowledge? Where do we learn how to become the right kind of people? It all comes from God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's given by the inspiration of God and it is profitable for a lot of different things, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, why? Why do we have the Word of God given to us? Why do we focus on the Word of God? So that God's people may be complete, ready for every good work, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The only way we're going to become the kind of people God wants us to be, the only way we're going to be equipped for the challenge ahead of us is by being closer to God's Word and learning more about who Jesus was and how He lived. So I want to ask you, please, come along with us on this journey as we add it all up. 
Now, if you have faith in God and you have not yet been baptized, if you're not a member of God's family, you need to do that. You do. Please don't leave here today without becoming a member of God's family. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus also said, unless you repent, you will all perish in a similar way. He also said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Jesus said it, just do it. That's what we want. If you're a member of God's family and you're having trouble, you're having problems, you need to come back to God. You need prayer because of challenges you're facing. We are more than happy to go to God in prayer with you. If there's anything we can do to help you today, please come as we stand and sing.